Chapter Three of The Prayers of Saint Paul by W. H. Griffith Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter Three, Approbation and Blessing. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness, and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 Two words sum up the Christian life, grace and glory, and both are associated with the two comings of the Lord Jesus Christ, grace particularly with the first coming, and glory especially with the second. This twofold aspect of Christianity comes before us in the prayer of the Apostle which we now have to consider. 1. The Reason of the Prayer This thought is brought before us very clearly in the Revised Version. To which end we also pray. In the Authorized Version it is, Wherefore also we pray. Following the original, the revised version refers definitely to what has preceded. The whole context is a reason for the prayer which now follows. The triumphant future is part of the reason of his prayer. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and to be marveled at in all them that believe in that day. The apostle looks forward to the crowning day that is coming, and bases upon this glorious hope the prayer that follows. The testing present is another part of the reason for this prayer. The church of Thessalonica was suffering persecutions and afflictions, and was passing through the fire of testing, verses 4 to 7. And it was this fact, and their then existing severe experiences, that prompted the apostle to pray for them, as well as to express the hope concerning their deliverance from the furnace of affliction. Thus present and future are blended in his thought, and form the ground or reason of his intercession. 2. The Nature of the Prayer Two elements sum up this beautiful prayer. He asks for the divine approval on their life, that God may count you worthy of your calling. God's calling is his summons into his kingdom. The kingdom may be regarded both as present and future. In the Gospels it would seem as though the calling were limited to his invitation or appeal, while in the Epistles it appears to include the believer's response to the call. For this reason it is sometimes spoken of as God's calling, and at others, as in this case, your calling. The thought of a divine calling responded to by the believer is prominent in the teachings of St. Paul, and should be carefully studied. Even in these Epistles to the Thessalonians, the idea is frequently found. First Thessalonians chapter two verse twelve, chapter four verse seven, chapter five verse twenty four, second Thessalonians chapter two verse fourteen. Count you worthy is a notable phrase repeated from verse five. Counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Seven times this verb is used by Saint Paul. As we ponder it, we catch something of the wondrous glory of our life as contemplated by the King of Kings. Surely, it must be said, 
the believer can never be worthy and this is true if he is considered in himself but just as it is with justification which means accounted just so with sanctification by the unspeakable grace of god we are actually counted worthy hooker's well-known words about justification may be quoted in this connection as illustrating the thought of worthiness in sanctification god doth justify the believing man yet not for the worthiness of his belief but for his worthiness who is believed so we may say god doth count the believing man worthy yet not for any personal worthiness but for the worthiness which is wrought by grace we must however not fail to notice that the believer is responsible for his use of grace and that the very thought of god counting us worthy has included in it the thought of scrutiny with a view to decision he seeks the divine blessing on their life and fulfill every desire of goodness and every work of faith with power this which is the rendering of the revised version seems on the whole the more intelligible and appropriate it means all that goodness can desire and all that faith can effect it blends together the two ideas of aspiration and activity the aspiration of goodness and the activity of trust and it prays that god would fulfill with power or powerfully every aspiration that comes from goodness and every activity that springs from faith just as in the familiar words of the collect for easter day god first puts into our minds good desires and then by his continual help we are enabled to bring the same to good effect by his holy inspiration we think those things that are good and by his merciful guiding we perform the same three the consequences of the prayer notice the twofold consequence here stated he expects that god will be glorified in us glory in the new testament and indeed the whole bible is the outshining of splendor and the apostle seeks in answer to prayer that christ may reveal in our lives the glory of his grace this includes both our present and future lives christ is to be manifested by and glorified in us here and he will be manifested by and glorified in us hereafter verse 10 what an unspeakable privilege and what a profound responsibility lie in this simple fact that christ is to shine forth from our lives and that men around us are to see something of christ as they associate with us one of the most beautiful testimonies ever given to a christian was that of a poor dying outcast girl to a lady who had befriended her i have not found it hard to think about god since i knew you he also expects that we shall be glorified in christ this is in a way more wonderful still there is to be a reciprocal glory and actually marvelous though it seems we are to have our share of glory in christ this again has its application to the present as well as to the future for every life that is loyal to christ is glorified in union and communion with him and in the great future it will be seen and known on every hand who have been faithful to the lord their master then shall the righteous shine forth as stars in the kingdom of their father four the guarantee of the prayer 
the apostle scarcely ever prayed without reminding himself and his readers of the secret whereby prayer is answered accordingly he closes this prayer with a reminder that the guarantee of its fulfilment is the grace of god according to the grace of our god and the lord jesus christ god is the source of all grace how lovingly the apostle speaks of our god and our lord jesus in this verse elsewhere in his epistles we also find this appropriating phrase our god first thessalonians chapter two verse two chapter three verse nine first corinthians chapter five verse eleven as in the still more personal phrase my god which we find about seven times in his writing st paul expresses his consciousness of personal possession and the blessed reality of fellowship with god this god is our god as the psalmist says christ is the channel of grace the lord jesus christ being associated with god in this connection is a reminder that it is the grace of our lord jesus christ as much as the grace of our god he meditates grace to us and through faith in christ we are linked to god as the god of all grace what a cheer and inspiration it is to have the assurance and guarantee that even a prayer like this with its high standard and far-reaching possibilities can and will be answered christianity provides not only an appeal but a dynamic he who bids enables he who calls provides the gospel of jesus christ is at once a precept a promise a provision and a power the religions of the world often tell us to be good but it is left for christianity to proclaim that he died to make us good as a result the christian can say with augustine give what thou commandest and then command what thou wilt that is only give me the spiritual power and then i can do anything that thou requirest of me as the psalmist cried i will run in the path of thy commandments when thou hast set my heart at liberty thus the christian life is at once a life of grace and a life of glory first grace then glory no grace no glory more grace more glory if grace then glory grace tis a charming sound harmonious to the ear heaven with the echo shall resound and all the earth shall hear end of chapter three